Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. If I had to choose between a church who was awesome at worship or a church who was awesome at generosity or a church who was awesome at serving or a church who was awesome at hearing, Lord, I'll take a church who hears all day, every day. And I, in this message, am going to be basically begging you to press in further to hear God speak. And please don't for a moment look in my direction and think, well, only people like him hear God speak. No, 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 no. Jesus made it clear. My sheep don't just hear, they know my voice. So God speaks to you. You're going to see that in this message. And the title of the message is, A House Full of Hearers. Because I'll take a house full of hearers over a house full of anything else. Because a house full of hearers happens to be one of the most dangerous things the devil will come up against. And in this message, I'm going to answer five questions as though you were the one asking them. So the questions are phrased in such a way where it's as though you're asking them and then I'm going to answer them. All right? Here's question number one. Does he still speak? Does God still speak? Now, I absolutely believe that he still does. I will always be in that camp. You will never be able to get me out of that camp because of what scripture says. But let's just, let let me play devil's advocate for a minute, okay? And let's just suppose that he stopped speaking, okay? Because some believe. I had some people last night uh, approach me and say they, they believe God no longer speaks, that he only speaks through his word and no other way. He doesn't speak personally to us. I'll never believe that. But let's just, let's play devil's advocate and let's just uh, suppose that he did stop speaking. I think there are only two possibilities as to why he would stop speaking. So let's just, let's check them out, all right? Here's the first one. He just stopped talking. He chose to stop. He started with Adam and Eve. He made sure that a part of their daily life was conversation with him. But right before you were born, He just passively, aggressively decided, I'm done talking. I'm done. I mean, have you ever been in a conversation, an important conversation with someone, and then all of a sudden, because they just got frustrated, they just took a vow of silence for a minute? You know? They just, I'm done. You no longer deserve to hear my voice. Maybe that's what he did. Now, let's just see if Scripture says that's what he's done. Okay? John chapter 14, verse 26. But when the Father, this is Jesus speaking, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, just in case there's any misunderstanding, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, well, Preston, technically, it says the Holy Spirit will teach me, but it it doesn't really say the Holy Spirit will talk to me. Because technically, the Holy Spirit could teach me and and you know, just send me a post-it note or something with, without words. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit will speak to me. Okay, let's move to the next chapter and see if Jesus goes any further. John 15, verse 26, but I will send, Jesus says, I'll send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Okay, Preston, there again, 
It says the Holy Spirit will testify, which means to bear witness, but technically the Holy Spirit could do that without words, without talking. Okay, let's just, let's suppose that that argument was actually wise. It's not, but let's just suppose it is, okay? John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus goes even further. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak. That's where some people stop, right? He will not speak. Oh, wait, there's not a comma there. There's not a period there. He keeps going. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory, Jesus says, by telling you whatever he receives from me. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you, and that's one of the biggest ways he's going to bring me glory, is he's going to tell you everything he's received from me. The Holy Spirit has not stopped talking. God did not take a vow of silence. And think about how crazy it would be if he did. Go back to Genesis, the very first chapter. How does it all start? With a word. Let there be light. And there was light. Can I ask you a question for a minute? Just, just play God for a moment. If you had the power to speak, let there be light, and the lights popped on, would you stop talking? <laughs> Ma'am, if you had the power to just speak, my husband is no longer going to be lazy romantically, and he's going to take me out on an incredible date every Friday night for the rest of our lives. Would you take a vow of silence? If you could just speak it and it happened, sir, if you could just speak, my wife is no longer going to go to the mall and shop and buy things I don't know about. <laughs> would you take a vow of silence if you could speak it and it came true? Of course not. He didn't stop talking. But let's, let's just suppose that he did. I think there's only one other reason that could explain if he stopped talking why he stopped. Here's the second possibility. Someone made him stop talking. God stopped talking because someone made him stop talking. Some people actually believe that the devil can keep God from talking. Now let me show you. Jesus addresses this idea of Satan being strong, God being strong. Look at what he says in Mark chapter 3, verse 27. He says, let me illustrate this further. And he's speaking about the devil in context here. He says, who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Okay, you really need to understand what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the devil. Everyone's freaking out about the, the strength of the enemy. Jesus says, how could someone ever go into the house of a strong man and take all his stuff from him? And Jesus answers the question by saying, only if that person is stronger than the strong man. Okay, here's what Jesus is really saying. I'd like to introduce myself. 
my name is Jesus, someone even stronger, Christ. That's what he's saying. You have met the stronger one. Okay, now think about this. Jesus is also addressing the other side of the coin. Can the devil make God do anything? According to Mark chapter 3, no. Because think about it, Jesus says, can anybody go into the house of a strong person and take something from them? Only if they're stronger. Okay, question, who has all power? God does. So can anyone be stronger than him? No. Here's what that means. The devil cannot keep God from doing anything he wants to do, including speak to you. The devil can't stop him. God did not stop talking. And if you were raised in a denomination that taught you that God no longer speaks, go back and read through God's word with a new lens. God still speaks, and he longs not just to speak to you, but to speak with you. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, speaking of Christ, and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It's a lot of power right there, when your word holds up the universe. There's a battle the enemy loves, so we're going to talk about this later in the message, to try and steal away from you, from me, the word of God. Now, you might say, well, Preston, I don't really hear God. He doesn't speak to me. No, he does speak to you. But listen, Job chapter 33, verse 14 says, for God speaks again and again, though people don't recognize it. The question isn't, well, does he speak or not? It's, do I recognize it when he speaks? Here's the second question. What happens when I don't hear? What happens when I don't hear? I'm going to give you two possibilities. Here's the first one. You'll do what you think is best. When faced with a decision, should I go right or should I le go left? Should I take this job or should I take this job? Should we move to this city or, or stay in this city? What happens when you don't hear God's voice? Oftentimes, what many of us will do is we will do what we think is best. Let me say something that might shock some of you. It shocked some people last night. This is an epidemic in the church. We have a lot of people who rather than wait on hearing God's voice and doing what God asks, they simply have formed a theology that says, the best way to honor and love God is just to do what I think is best. Okay, now that, that really kind of applies to the general will of God, and I don't want to get too technical theologically here, but that, that does apply to the, the general will of God. For instance, the, I know the general will of God by reading God's word on what type of husband he desires me to be, okay? I don't need a specific word about what type of husband I'm supposed to be. Scripture says I'm supposed to lay my life down for my wife in the same way Christ laid his life down for the church. I, I know the general will of God as to what type of husband. So the, I am to, as Christ says, I'm to love him with all my heart, all my, my mind, all my strength, all my soul. Okay, I'm supposed to give him my all. Related to his general will, yes, I know what his general will is, and I'm to give it my all. 
But that's a little different than what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you get to an important situation and instead of, Lord, what do you want me to do? You decide, well, I'm just going to do what I think is best. Okay, I want you to hear this one-liner, all right? This is very important to this message. As Christ followers, we have not been called to do what we think best. We have been called to do his will. We've not been called to just, well, I'm going to do what I think is best. No, no, no. I'm a Christ follower, not a Preston follower. Now, I want to show you in Scripture why this is so important to understand. And I've never attached these two passages together before. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or whether to the left. Okay? Talking about us hearing God's voice. It will be as though there's a voice behind us saying, go to the right or go to the left. Okay, well, what happens when I don't hear that voice saying, go to the right or go to the left? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, well, there's a path before each person that seems right. It seems like the best path. And when I don't hear that voice saying which way I should go, I'm tempted to go the way I think is best. But scripture clearly says there's a path that seems best. But in the end, it leads in death. It leads right to death. I don't, I've learned this about me. We'll just relate it to this church. Our church is at its best when God gets what he wants, not when I get what I want. The flesh is always tempted to do what we think is best. I want to yield my life completely. Someone asked me last night after the service, how do you prove you love God? Well, I don't like the word prove, but how do I show? Well, there are lots of ways. One of the ways, according to what Jesus said, greater love hath no man than to lay his life down. I want to lay my life down at his feet, which means basically the way I view my life is I'm in a casket, and caskets don't make choices. Caskets get pushed. I want him to just, Lord, tell me which way to go. As it relates to this building, I hated this building. I remember when the Lord said, Preston, this is the spot. And I responded and said, over my dead body. <laughs> and you know when you talk like that to the God of the universe, maybe it doesn't happen with you, but it happens with me. There's a little bit of that sarcastic tone that you feel like he's about to say, you know I could arrange that, right? <laughs> Lord, I don't want to go to that building. It's a rat's nest. It's horrible. It's too far away. Okay, who looks like the idiot now? Not God. He knew. I've walked long enough with him to know. When he says his ways are higher than mine, it's a sweet way of saying, Preston, you don't understand what I understand. You don't know what I know. You can't see what I see. Just trust me and follow me. Trust me and follow me. Here's the second thing. What happens when I don't hear? You'll entertain another voice. You'll entertain another voice. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now, 
my kids went back to school the last week and a half, and so I'm in back to school mode, and some of you might be as well. So let's just go back to uh, Eve and the serpent in the garden, but let's kind of uh, paint a, a little bit of a, a different picture just to help us understand it, like it was the first week of school, okay? You have Eve sitting in the lunchroom of the Garden of Eden, staring at the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She's surrounded by food, but she's locked on to one tree. But she's sitting at her lunch table all by herself. And up slithers the serpent. Hey, you new around here? How come you're sitting by yourself? Does no one want to talk to you? Well, I'll talk to you. What you looking at? Eve says, well, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said I wasn't allowed to have the fruit of it. I can't touch it. can't eat it. What's the next thing the serpent says? Did God really say that? Okay, the second the serpent asked her that question, she should have known she was in a conversation she should have never entertained. Did God really say that? But what happens when we don't have anybody to talk to? What happens when we don't hear God speaking? We are tempted to entertain an alternative voice. Of course, Eve didn't want to talk to God about what she was thinking. She wanted to eat that fruit. That's why she ended up eating it. She's not going to talk to God about that. So what happens when she doesn't? Anytime you will not talk to the Lord, the devil will gladly speak in his place. You'll entertain another voice. Several of the scariest words in Scripture are these, and the woman became convinced. Why are those words so scary? Because she entered into a conversation she had no business being in. And because she entertained it long enough, she let her flesh make a decision God never desired her to make. Sometimes that's what we do when we don't hear God speak. We're tempted to entertain another voice. Well, Preston, how do I know the voice I'm hearing is the devil? Here's a good litmus test. If your flesh is pleased with what you hear, the voice you heard was not the Father's. I'm not talking about your heart. I'm talking about your flesh. If your flesh is pleased by the voice you hear, the voice you heard was not the Father's. Eve entertained a conversation she shouldn't have. We have to be careful in those moments where we don't sense God speaking. That does not mean we go out and find the first voice that will tell us what we want to hear. That brings us to the next question. Why don't I hear? Why don't I hear? I'm going to give you one answer to this one. You may not like this, but this is from personal experience. I, I went back and thought through uh, the times in my life where I, I had trouble hearing God speak. And there was a recurring theme. It all boiled down to this one thing. 
I, I went through a nine-month stretch when I was the youth pastor at Gateway in my early 20s where I did not feel like I heard God say one thing to me in nine months. This is the most miserable season of my entire life. And I had to preach every week, all the while feeling like he wasn't speaking. When you think about, when you struggle to hear God speak, I would bet that you would find a theme. And here's what I think most, if not all of us, will find. When we have trouble hearing God's voice, it boils down to this. I only want to hear what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. I only want to hear what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10, to whom can I give a warning? Who will listen when I speak? Their ears are closed and they cannot hear. They scorn the word of the Lord. They don't want to listen at all. Why? Because they want to hear what they want to hear. Have you ever thought about this in scripture? Why did people worship idols? Why would anyone carve an idol out of wood and worship it? I'll give you two really obvious reasons why some people would rather worship an inanimate object than worship the one true God. Because idols don't make demands of you and they never talk back to you. Those are the two big reasons. They never make a demand of you and they never talk back to you. One of the scariest positions you'll ever find yourself in is when you convince yourself that what you need to hear is what you want to hear. That's dangerous. I want the type of relationship with God where he tells me what I need to hear, even if it hurts a little bit. And there have been plenty of those moments. How would you describe what you enjoy hearing? Do you get more excited when someone tells you what you want to hear? Or do you get excited when someone tells you what you need to hear? Oftentimes, the biggest reason we struggle to hear God's voice is not because he went silent. It's because we're too busy listening for what we want to hear that we tune out what we need to hear. Here's the fourth question. How do I hear? Very briefly, I'm just going to give you four ways. I, I did a whole series on this, but I'm just going to give you uh, a couple of reminders. Four ways God loves to speak. There are others, but these are kind of some of the biggies. First one, the Bible. God loves to speak through his word. Have you ever felt like you were hearing a certain book and chapter of the Bible and you went, opened it up and read it and there was a verse in there that was exactly what you needed to hear? Has that ever happened to you before? You just put your hand up. Put it up high. Okay, if you don't have your hand up, don't worry. Don't worry, it can happen to you too. It's not mumbo jumbo, hocus pocus. It's not that everybody with their hands up are more godly and more spiritually mature than you. It may just be that you, you disqualified yourself from hearing something like that. Well, I could never hear God like that. Well, if you keep telling yourself that, all you're doing is turning down the volume of his voice. Let him, just try. Let him do it. He loves to take his word and speak to us through it. Here's another way God loves to speak, through teachers. Through teachers. 
Why do I ask you to take notes on the weekends? Because I've been praying, in some cases, for several weeks over a message that the Holy Spirit would speak specifically to you. And if you come in and you don't take notes, the chances of you forgetting what you hear God speak to you are very high. And I want, I want us to be a church that prizes when God speaks. Not just his written word, but when he personally speaks to us. And he loves to do it through teachers. Here's another way. Uh, oh, let me say this, because I, I hear this every once in a while. I want to tweak a perspective. Some people will say, uh, you, that, that story you told or that one-liner that you gave, that really spoke to me. Okay, let me tweak your perspective. No, it didn't. The Holy Spirit spoke to you. Listen, my preaching isn't good enough to speak to you like that. And I'm not doing the woe is me thing. I'm telling you the truth. The only power I will ever have when preaching is his anointing, not my gifting. Give yourself more credit. That's a better way to say it. Give yourself more credit than that. It wasn't that I did something that spoke to you. It was that you heard God speak to you. You heard him speak. He loves to speak. Here's another way he loves to speak, through impressions. Have you ever just felt an impression before? Uh, you, you just felt the Holy Spirit saying something to you? Like God was just repetitively saying something, and, and maybe it was about doing something or, or saying something to someone. Have you ever gotten an impression from God before? Anybody felt impressed by the Lord? Okay. He loves to do that. Where you, you just, you try and shake it, but it just keeps coming back. He's impressing something upon you. And here's another way, through our circumstances. Ever been fired from a job that you loved only to get a better job 30 days later? He loves to speak through our circumstances. Ever thought you were done having children? Tie that thing up. <laughs> Ever thought you were done? And then out of nowhere, ta-da! Six years after you plan to stop, and then all your other children go off to college. When you thought you'd be an empty nester, there's still one at home. And one day you find yourself saying to your spouse, I cannot imagine life without our baby girl. He loves to speak through our circumstances. God loves to speak. That brings us to the last question. What happens when I do hear? What happens when I do hear? Now, there are lots of answers I could give to this, but I think there's one that I'd put above all the others. Here's what happens for me, and I believe many others, when we hear God speak. Our faith rises. Every time we hear God speak to us, our faith rises. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Every time God speaks, our faith rises. And it's like the guys who encountered Jesus after the resurrection. 
They didn't realize it was Jesus when he was with them. And then afterwards, they figured it out and they said, did our hearts not burn when he spoke his word to us? Their faith was rising. Remember in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the story of the four types of soil. Of course, because I've become the nerdy gardener, I'm studying everything in Scripture that has anything to do with soil, plants, and harvest, all of it. Four types of soil, and Jesus says there's one type of, 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 of soil where the seed goes onto some of the path and the birds come and snatch it away. And he goes on to explain it and say, that's what Satan does. He comes and he snatches, he loves to snatch the seed, the word that God has spoken to us. Okay, question, why does Satan try so hard to snatch away every word God speaks to us? Let me tell you why. Because he hates the way it increases our faith. He hates it. He hates every time your faith rises. Because every time your faith rises, you're that much da more dangerous to him and hell. So he does his best to try and snatch it away. Every time you hear God speak, this is why it's so important to press in. Start your day with a word from the Lord. He wants to speak. You don't have to beg him. It's what he does. The whole universe is upheld by the word of his power. This last weekend, uh, after eight of the nine presbytery services, I was exhausted and I felt literally incoherent. I mean, literally. I called a woman by her last name several times. Her last name was Stacy, and I just kept saying, and Stacy, uh, you, you do understand how hard it would be if someone were saying, I sense the Lord saying this, but the person keeps getting your name wrong? <laughs> I felt horrible. And when I realized, I went and sat back down, and they said, you said Stacy like three times. As soon as I could, I got back on the mic, and I apologized in front of everyone. Uh, because it felt so, so bad. I called a man named Clint Claypool by Clay twice. And Clay, I was exhausted. I literally felt incoherent. And as we finished up with the candidates and we moved into words in due season, I felt very strongly the Lord give me a word for a couple in the very back. It was a picture and a word. And the picture, uh, it was like the two of them were receiving a farm and it was like it was an inheritance to them. And the word I felt the Lord say was, you're ready to receive it, but you're not ready to keep it. There are some legal things that have gone undone that could cause you to lose this farm. Well, that's a really specific word. To me, that's more like a word of knowledge than a word of prophecy. And so I'm, I'm thinking, well, Lord, it starts with a picture of the farm. I have farm on the brain. I'm just tired. That guy looks like a businessman. He does not look like a farmer. I'm not, I, no, I, I'm not giving that word, Lord, no. And so I went as far to the other side of the auditorium to a woman in the back that the Lord wanted me to give a word to. And, and when I was done giving it to her, I stood there and said to the Lord, is there anyone else in this section you'd like to speak to, Lord? And every word that he gave me, I, I gave, and I just kept fighting it. Lord, I'm just exhausted. There's no way, I, I just... That's so specific, I, 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 Lord, please. And I just kept feeling impressed. Give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. 
I fought it and I fought it and I fought it until there were no other words I felt the Lord had given me except that one. The other two people that I was with, they were done. The service was coming to an end and I couldn't shake it. So I walked back there and I said, would, would you two stand up? The woman had this look on her face like she was about to get on the scariest roller coaster ride of her life. So I, now I'm, I'm nervous. And I said, I, I feel the Lord gave me a picture for the two of you and, and a word that goes with it. And so I shared it with them. And apparently, some others told me this, but I didn't see it. When I said farm, she, she looks at her husband. Well, I didn't see it because truthfully, my head was down. I didn't really, really want to see how they're reacting to this. <laughs> so I finish. Service comes to an end. I'm sitting in the front row and some people come up and they'd like me to pray with them and speak with them. And I see this couple come down. And literally, here's my first thought. I'm going to make it take forever with all these other people. I mean, over one guy, I prayed my quiet time over that guy. <laughs> I, I, I just kept going. And then everyone was done. And the couple was still standing there. And they walk over, and she says, we have got to talk to you. My heart is racing now. I thought, oh, Lord, please. If I got it wrong, just give me a gracious way, a humble way to say, I'm just exhausted and I'm sorry. And the man said, my father passed away three years ago. And he left me as my inheritance, our family farm. I've never met this guy. I've never seen him. I have no idea who he is. There is no natural way I could ever know something like that. I wanted to start crying. And I was excited for them, but truthfully, I was excited for me. <laughs> Why was I so excited? Because yet again, he spoke. God, the God of the universe, spoke. And I got to hear him. I don't ever want to get tired of hearing his voice, and I don't want you to either. You were created to hear God's voice. You're his sheep. I'm begging you, don't settle for living a life where you do what you think is best. Rise above that. Press in and get a word from the Lord so you can simply do his will. Can you imagine what God could do with a house full of hearers who prize not just his presence, but adore his voice? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.